My name is Daniel Sick. For those that are new, I'm the Faith Formation Pastor here at the church, and um, we are preaching from a series called uh, Life with King Jesus, and uh, within that we have used a book called Beautiful Life, and today we're talking about a beautiful life and anxiety uh, based on the text of Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Um, I will be reading the text off and on as we go through the service, so um, be attentive to where that appears. The, the topic today is on anxiety, and I'm anxious to talk about it. <laughs> I think every one of us, we have had these situations, let it be in school or let it be at home, that we played the what-if game. What if I win a million dollars in the lottery. Not that I play, but what if? You know, um, I wrote down for myself, I would probably buy a Harley Davidson, um, go around the world, travel around the world, just enjoy. There's so much to see. I've seen a lot already, but I would love to travel some more, maybe to China, uh, New Zealand, go see the Hobbitses. What if I could meet a famous person, uh, past or present? I think I would love to sit down for a coffee with St. Augustine and talk theology. I would love to sit down with George Washington, uh, talk about leadership. George W. Bush um, would be one of my present-day people I would like to meet. What if I could? And then there are those questions that we ask ourselves, or I ask myself, I'm a motorcycle Writer, and I asked myself, what if I have an accident and I end up in a wheelchair? And I thought that through and uh, came to the conclusion, life continues. I will be in a wheelchair. I will have to make some adjustments. But if it happens, it happens. And I have to live with it. And there's a benefit in looking into things and uh, anticipating a situation that comes up, anticipating a change that might come up, and so on. So those what-if questions are healthy. But then there are also those what-if questions. What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? And not Daniel sick. <laughs> what if I get really sick? What if I get a sickness that is incurable? Anxious thoughts rise up, and we worry about the situation. And then... Matthew or Jesus um, talks into this situation, and we read it in Matthew 6:25, where he says, "That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whatever you have, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than any clothing?" Jesus talks right into those situations, right uh, into those situations where we ask. Um, what if? And the topic is anxiety, worries. And I want to talk a little bit about this. Worry and anxiety are real, and we need to address this. It's, it is something that is around us. Worry and anxiety, both very similar, are feelings. And they are feelings like, just like being sad, um, being happy, being angry, being content with certain situation. I looked up worry, anxiety on different um, dictionaries, and 
The Google Dictionary actually says anxiety can be normal in stressful situations such as public speaking, preaching, um, or taking a test. It is only an indicator of underlying disease when feelings become excessive, all-consuming, and interfering with daily life. So we need to know and we need to recognize anxiety, worry is normal. It is normal to be anxious about an upcoming situation that I might not be able to control. It is normal to think about situations that, are, that have, have potential danger. Um, we, we need to recognize it as a feeling. And it is very important that we look at this text uh, where, where Jesus says, don't worry, not as a don't you dare worry, don't you dare be anxious. That is sin. That is not the case. It is not sin. It is a feeling. St. Francis, a a priest in the 1500s, he said, anxiety is a temptation in itself and also the source from from and by which other temptations come from. I have a chart here on the wall. I don't know if you can read that small print there. Uh, I found that on the internet and I found it intriguing. Usually, we think of temptation In the lower part, you see where it says lying, cheating, alcohol abuse, above that viewing pornography, uh, uh, sexually appropriate content and stuff like that, looking at that stuff. That is our definition many times of what temptations we face. Or a little bit higher up uh, with the 55, eating too much. And there's a good chocolate cake preferably German Black Forest chocolate cake. <laughs> what intrigued me was that at the top is worrying and anxious thoughts, anxiety. It is something that we deal with in our society. It is something normal. Um, it is not sin yet, but James says in James 1 in the Bible, temptation comes from our own feelings which entice us and drag us away from God. These feelings give birth to a sinful action, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death and destroys life. Um, We need to be careful with those feelings, just with any other feeling. When we are in love with someone, how do we deal with it? When we are angry with someone, God says, In your anger, do not sin. And what is important, in one of the dictionaries that I looked at, it said, anxiety is sitting on a problem like a hen, breeding it to its full potential. I like that uh, idea there. Um, We sit on something, we breed it, and we think the whole thing through to the point that we get so anxious, we live in it, and it is actually real for us in this situation. Um, Spanish language uh, says for anxiety, preocuparse. And ocuparse would be being busy. Preocuparse means that I am busy before I even need to be busy. When we look at the same word or a similar word um, in English, we have preoccupy. That is, you are absorbed with a situation. You can't handle it. And we need to Be careful with those situations. But we also need to be careful to not say, "Ah, get your act straight. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just get over it. It's not that bad. 
For the person going through anxiety, through worries, it is bad. And it is a topic that needs to be addressed. We all have basic needs in our life. And those basic needs, way in the past, the, the traditional way of mentioning the basic needs were called, or the basic needs were food, water, shelter, and clothes. Later on in time, uh, modern times says, okay, we have food, water, shelter, and clothes, but we also need sanitation, education, health care, and Wi-Fi. <laughs> it was in the dictionary. I did not make that up. It is in there. Internet, Wi-Fi is important. Um, in the beginning of the 1900s, there was a guy called Maslow, and he developed a hierarchy of needs. And you see a picture um, of this hierarchy of needs soon, um, where he defines several different levels. And he starts at the bottom and says, if you want to really be happy, one of the things that you need is the uh, psycho uh, physiological needs. Breathing, food, water, sex, and so on. Then, once you have that, you can advance to the next level, um, safety. Safety of body and all different other things. Then, belonging, being loved, having intimacy, um, emotional intimacy. Then, self-esteem, confidence, and so on. And then, at the end, you come to the point that you have self-actualization, where you are whole. And it's important to know that it is not that you have to have all of them in order to be happy, but at least partially you have to fulfill some of those or else you will be worried about one of those situations. Let's say food, for example. You don't have food, you worry, you're not happy, and that can lead to anxious thoughts. And that is not too far-fetched, this uh, pyramid here. Um, God created us with those different needs. He created us that we eat, that we drink, that we enjoy life, that we sleep, that we need shelter. Um, he created us that we desire a safe environment. The paradise wa was a safe environment. He created us in relationship with, uh, with one another. He created us to achieve things. He created us with a purpose in our life. But then sin entered the world, and every scene, everything seemed to be lost, seemed to be. But then we look at the text, at the Bible text that um, Jesus says here, God is trustworthy. And he brings out two examples here. Let's continue reading in Matthew 6, verses 26 and following. Look at the birds. They do not plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies on the field and how they grow. They don't, know, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus is telling us there are two things that I want to point out that where you can see my father, God is trustworthy. Believe me. Look at the birds here. He feeds them. Look at the, the lilies. He dresses them. 
What intrigues me is in that part where you see at the, uh, at the top where he talks about the birds, um, there he says, aren't you far more valuable to him than the birds? Can your worries add a single moment to your life? And when I read that word, valuable, I thought to myself, you are valuable to God. Let that sink in for a second. You are valuable to God. The birds are valuable to him. But then Jesus says, you are far more valuable to God. He provides for you. He wants to help you. He wants to care for you. He wants to feed you. He wants to make sure that you have what you have. But then Jesus says, and can you add a single moment to your life? He says, look, I mean, what is the worst thing that can happen in your life? The worst thing, the last thing that will happen in your life is actually that you will pass from this earth to the next life, to heaven, hopefully, if you know Christ. And I have provided for that. If it comes down to death here on earth, I have provided a way out through my son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth, and we celebrate that in our Christmas time, through my son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. We celebrate that around Easter. Through my son, Jesus Christ, who paid that ultimate penalty, the death penalty on the cross for your sins, you are cared for. I don't only care for you here in life. I made a way to care for you after this life here on earth. You are valuable to me. I love you. I care for you. And I take care of the most important part in life. There's one Bible verse where it says, don't be afraid of those that can kill the body. Be afraid of those, uh, of that, him, or fear him who can kill body and soul. But then in John, 1 John, John says, you know, you don't have to fear him. Because God is love, and God drives, uh, love drives out fear. We don't have to be afraid. God values you, and he loves you, and he wants to take care of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But then we have the second part here. We have the lilies. On the field, God only said, not only says, you know, I take care of the after-death thing. He also says, now and now I dress you. I, I think you are beautiful. I will give you everything. He looks at you as a father looks at his child and says, I love you. You are beautiful to me. If you have children, grandchildren, or if you observe parents and grandparents, there are these moments where the children are just doing something. And they're oblivious of what's going on around. And parents just look at them. And there's just this love and this, I just love my child. I mean, there are other times where we think something else, you know. <laughs> but there are also those looks on our face that tell us, God, I love this child. And God does the same thing. He looks at you and he says, you are beautiful. You are beautiful to me. He looks at a sick child and stretches out the hand. The child is still sick, just as our children are sick. And if we could, we would take their place when they're sick. But at the same time, we care for them because we love them. 
this child is beautiful to me. When the child falls down with a bicycle or whatever, we care for that child. We tend the wound. To God, you are beautiful. And that's why he came to us. In this morning, we had already in several songs the word Emmanuel. That is one of the names that is given to Jesus. And Emmanuel means God is with us. God is with you. Emmanuel means God with us. It's interesting. When the shepherds were out on the field, um, there is something happening there. And um, I just want to read part of that from Luke 2. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, the shepherds. But the angels uh, reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of clothes, laying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the army of heavens, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. You hear that word at the end? Peace on earth. I thought about what is the opposite of anxiety? And I think it is peace. Peace of mind, peace of heart, peace inside. Having a peace. Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus wants us to have peace in a world where anxiety, where bad news, where worries are normal. Jesus wants to give us peace. He wants to fill us with himself. He wants to be there for us. Um, One of the main Bible verses that helps many people that struggle with anxiety is, even though I walk through the darkest valley of the shadow of death, you are there with me. Your rod and your staff guide me. And that is what we can experience if we look to God. And I want to spend a couple more minutes here to look at the third part of this Bible text that we have in Matthew 6, 31 and following. Jesus says, So do not worry about these things, saying what we eat and what we will drink, what will we will wear, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and his live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. First thing that I want to mention here when we look at this is... Um, it is not wrong to seek help, to seek counsel, to maybe even go to a psychologist or a counselor or even take medicine. It is not um, a problem. It's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes our problems are so profound that we can't do it on our own. We can't pull ourselves out of the mud on our bootstraps. It doesn't work, you know, And we need to recognize that and we need to seek help if we 
see that I can't do it on our own, my own. I can't see God in this tunnel. I can't. It's too dark. And then someone else can come alongside and can help and can help me see God and see the end of the tunnel. Second thing that I want to point out is also um, no struggle is the same. No one struggles in the same way. Everyone experiences his own problems, his own worries, his own situations in his or her own way. Actor Sylvester Stallone said one time that he would love to give all that he has learned, all those pains and anxieties and everything that he had to go through to come to where he was to the new ones. But he said it's not possible. They have to go through that same thing on their own. Everyone learns. Everyone goes through and grows through the struggles in his or her own way. And we need to recognize that. But then Jesus says, now seek first the kingdom of God. Concentrate on God. And I want to ask you just a few simple questions where you can look at these questions and evaluate, is that something that might keep me from seeking God? Now, I'm careful to say this is not it. You have to have one of those or else you, there's something wrong with you. But it might be one of the points that keep you from having this trusting relationship with God. First question is here, are you too busy to connect with God? Especially in the Christmas season. We get busy, 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 busy. Busy bees. Last Saturday, not yesterday, the week before, we were um, in New York and down at the memorial, 9-11 memorial. There were barely any people there. There were a few, but not too many. And then we walked through New York, Manhattan a little bit, went up to Penn Station with the, with the um, subway. And up there, total different story. Busy as can be. Four or five times many, as many people going shopping, trying to figure out how, what they can do for Christmas. Are we too busy to connect with God? Is life too busy? Do we need to slow it down a notch and find this time with God? Second question here, um, is there unconfessed sin in your life? And I asked that question because I went through that too where I was anxious about a thing and I realized there was something in my life that I had not confessed to God. He knew already about it. But he wanted me to come and say, God, I know it is wrong and I ask you for forgiveness. And I tell you, feeling that, that God said to me, you know what, this is exactly why I came to earth that you can have peace of mind. I came to earth to give you peace of mind. Is there an unconfessed sin that keeps you busy in your mind, worrisome, anxious about something? Evaluate. And then the next question, are you listening to too much bad news, including social media? There's blessing to have lived in the Micronesian islands. Out there, we did not have a whole lot of news channels. In fact, we had one. And that was enough. There was enough bad news. The good thing was also that I had the chance or actually the responsibility of listening to our Christian radio station that we had. 
And listening to godly stuff, listening to godly things, and not so much the media intake and social media intake. First thing in the morning we do is pull out the phone. What is on Facebook new? Which Instagram post is interesting? Instead of sitting down and praying. And I'm just as guilty as many of us. First thing in the morning should be, thank you, God, for this morning. Sometimes I even do it that I say, good morning, God. You know, concentrate on God. Make it a point, a purposeful point, to put bad stuff, bad media, bad news more into the corner. We need to inform ourselves, but do we need to have the TV on 24-7 to know all the single different, all the single media that is going on, all the news that is going on, or do we need to turn it off to concentrate on God? And then the next question is, um, can you see God in the situation? Um, there's a guy, Thomas Akempis, a priest in the 1300s, and he said, oh, how great peace and quietness would he possess who should cut off all vain anxiety and place all his confidence in God. Remember that Muslow uh, pyramid there? You know, this is really nice. And we can look at it, and this is not from the preschool that they left it here. I purposely brought it here. You know, we, we can have all these different parts here. And as we kind of try to build our life, we can put it up, but I mean, even here, you see, I, I don't have it on the floor. I, I'm not doing it right. I'm not a child. But um, we can build our pyramid, but in the end, it's fragile. What we need in our pyramid is actually a base of Christ and then something that goes through all the different levels. And that's why I love this toy here. Every time you see a toy now, think of anxiety. You know, this toy can be a help, and I'm sure that is in every little house that has little children. But look at this. When, when this part here is a mess, but as soon as I just put it on, in the right order, of course, it's stable. We need the base of Jesus Christ in our life, and then we need the stake of Jesus Christ go through all our, li- our lives or all our levels. We need Jesus Christ in our life. Back in fall, um, I listened to a podcast from um, Men of Iron, and Seth Obes was interviewed in there. And with that whole situation, everyone here in Mannheim knows about this situation. And the main focus on on that podcast was how do you piece it back together? Um, Talk about anxiety. I mean... I, I have no idea how someone can deal with something like that. But then in the interview, Seth Obes said he came to the realization that worry is planning without God. And that's true. We worry. When we worry, we plan in our head. There is so much planning going on, planning without God. And we need to learn to let go of that and let God into it. We still plan. We still do our stuff that we need to do in our life. I still had to prepare the sermon. I was still anxious about it. But then I prayed about it and I asked God into it. 
I want to mention just a few more things here um, that help, and I'm kind of running out of time. I talk too much. But uh, one of the things that I, I learned is that when we want to take God into account, the first thing is that we need to focus on God's kingdom provision. There's a Bible verse in Proverbs 3 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Let's not lean on that, but trust in God. The second thing here is choose prayer over despair. Um, that one is really something that touched my heart, and thank God for my wife in this situation. Imagine five children going uh, to the airport um, with their parents, of course, one of their parents, me, and trying to organize everything and making sure that those kids don't get lost in the airports that we had to go through to come to the mission field or from the mission field. I was, every time, I was anxious about the situation to the point that I actually threw up. I was anxious about it, and I prayed about it. And one point, my wife said, oh, just stop it. Just knock it off. Did you give it to God or not? And at first, I was like, oh, you have no idea what I'm going through. I'm the, I'm the husband. I'm supposed to. Well, she knew what she was go, I was going through because, I mean, she's the wife and she is the mother and she knows what's going on. But she was right. And next time around, we went to the airport, I prayed. And I get anxious. And I said to myself, you know what? I gave it up to God and I'm fine. I did what I could do. I have the tickets, I have the plan, I have everything, I know the itinerary, but everything else is in God's hands. And I got calm, and I could go to the airport and actually enjoy everything. Choose prayer over despair. Practice gratitude. Thank God for things. The more gratitude you have, the less you have time to worry about stuff. Focus on the good things. Join a Christian support group, Bible study, prayer group. Together we can be stronger here. Take a break from the game. There's a reason why God created Sabbath. You know, the rat race, keeping up with the Joneses and so on. Take a break. Take a day off in your mind and concentrate on God. And then lastly, Live in the now. I want to show you a picture from um, Ecuador. Next one, please. Our Sabrina, up in the Andes Mountains, sitting in the grass. I was sitting beside her. I was the one to take the picture. She had her ice cream. When I look at this picture, every time I think of peace. There's a little child, and she just sits there knowing that her dad is right beside her, the world is fine because dad is around, and she even has some ice cream. I mean, what better things can happen here? Isn't it the same thing with us and God? Do you remember what you are? That you are a child of God, that God loves you so much? Live in the now. We can learn from the past, We can plan our future, but we should learn to live as children do in the now. What if we started what if game? What if I could cast my burdens onto Jesus because he cares for me? 
We're going to sing a song now um, called Tremble. And in that song, the first couple lines are, Peace, bring it all to peace. The storm surrounding me, let it break at your name, Jesus Christ. Let us sing this song. <laughs> 